This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we continue our Why I Coach series with the head coaches of Bates Golf and Tennis, Henry Fall and Paul Gassengay. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Hired by Bates in August of 2019, Henry Fall was a four-year starter on the Elms College varsity golf team, graduating in 2014. He was a two-year captain and led the Blazers to New England Collegiate Conference titles as a first-year and as a senior. In his senior season, the Blazers qualified for the NCAA Championships for the first time in program history. Fall also excelled in the classroom, earning academic all-conference honors every year. A 2010 graduate of Mount Ararat High School in nearby Topsom, Maine, Fall is now the youngest head coach at Bates. You know, it's funny. I bounced around a little bit after college there. You know, I picked up the game when I was seven years old and played competitively through high school and college. And I think I just got, you know, maybe a little burnt out at the time. And um, I was working at a golf course up here in Maine and, you know, I really enjoyed it, but it's just, it was always golf. So I think I (laughs) kind of needed a break there. Um, And quickly I found that, you know, this is my passion. This is what I love to do. So I, you know, I quickly got back into it and I, I found all along that, um, you know, even back in my, in my junior golfing days, I really enjoyed coaching and offering tips to, uh, fellow playing partners and things of that nature. Um, junior golf camps always helped out with, and I just, uh, it kind of dawned on me, like, this is what I love to do. I love to play and, and coach the game. And any uh, mentors or any people you went to for advice when you decided to, you know, maybe pursue the Bates position, for instance, or um, in terms of, you know, transitioning into college coaching? Well, I've had, I've been so fortunate. I've had so many fabulous mentors. Uh, Kevin Joseph at Mirror Creek in Brunswick. I mean, that's who I first learned from when I was seven years old. Uh, Outstanding coach himself. And um, John Hickson, uh, Craig Coles, who I, you know, I, I played for at Elms College um, and many and various others, Paul Piveronis down the Woodlands. I mean, I've had some exceptional coaches in my day and uh, I've learned a lot from them. And, you know, basically it's 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 kind of come full circle because any of the lessons I've offered or coaching I've given, um, you know, they, they were a part of that. And I think, uh, you know, I, I owe them a lot. And then from a coaching perspective, you know, Coaching college athletes, what's the similarities, differences between coaching someone who's almost just getting started at golfing, right? I mean, because I'm sure you've coached all different skill levels. Yeah, for sure. And no, it's, it's definitely a, a difference. And, um, you know, someone that's just picking up the club, I mean, it's it, it's kind of a daunting task. You know, you got this, this little club head at the end of a shaft and you're trying to hit this little white ball. And, it, it, you know, I get it. It's kind of a scary proposition, but um, at the same time, you know, when you, when you have that beginner golfer hit a shot solidly, it, seeing the, the reaction on their face, is just so, so rewarding. Um, but yeah, certainly at the college level and, um, you know, when you're recruiting players that have some, some talent and have, have been playing the, the game for, you know, usually at least a few years anyways, um, you know, at that point, it's really more about structuring your practices around, you know, certain areas that they can improve on. And, um, 
you know, making sure that the practices are sort of, of structured around um, those areas. Yeah. What are some of the highlights so far of your time at Bates in terms of obviously uh, um, last season, you were able to play in the fall last year, the spring, unfortunately uh, ended up getting canceled, but what were some of the highlights from last fall? Yeah, man, it's been, a, it's been an interesting start to my college sure. coaching career. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, last, last fall was, uh, it was just awesome being able to, um, you know, travel around to a few of these competitions, go down to like to Williams with both teams was just, that's, uh, you know, that was a tournament I played at in Elms college. And, um, you know, that, that place is kind of near and dear to me, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, just being able to, to, to sort of lend a helping hand and, um, you know, be able to go to the golf course at Martindale with, with the teams and, and sort of see them get a, get a little bit of an escape from the, the college setting there. I think it's nice for them to kind of get away from campus once in a while and, and play these unique, beautiful golf courses and, and uh, so I, I just, I think what, what's been so great is the fact that, um, you know, I graduated from Elms like 2014 and, you know, here we are like a little more than five years later and um, I can easily reflect on my time and, and those sort of, uh, those sort of memories. And, and now I get to, to see it with the, the current students. And I just, I love seeing that. I want to ask you a little bit about your use of Instagram, because I think of all our coaches here at Bates, you probably use Instagram the most, whether it be Bates golf or your own personal account from a coaching perspective, how do you use social media to kind of enhance what you're doing from a coaching perspective? Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably borderline addiction at this point. (laughs) Probably not, probably not healthy, but no, I, I really try to use it to, um, obviously sort of grow my following and I, I use it for personal reasons as well with, with my online coaching. Um, but as far as like the, the bait side of things, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important nowadays that, um, you know, you have some exposure cause I, I think it, um, you know, people want to see what you're up to and what you're, uh, what you're able to provide. And, you know, it's, especially for like my online coaching, like even just showing some lessons or some tips that they can take and, um, you know, give them sort of a sample size of what, what they might get from, from me on a one-on-one basis. So. Seems like you get a lot of um, examples from the professional circuits, right? I mean, it seems like you are paying close attention to what the pros are doing kind of, I mean, how do you kind of translate that to maybe more of the college level in terms of, because some things the pros do is just like, it's almost incomprehensible, but it's, I'm sure there's lessons to be learned, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, certainly. It's like you watch them on TV. The, the thing I always keep in mind, I try to um, communicate to students is when you're watching these pros on TV, especially on the weekends, I mean, you're watching them at their absolute best. They're not always playing that well. They have off weeks where they're shooting in the mid eighties or low eighties. Like it, it happens to the best of them. So you got to keep that in mind and kind of take some, some of their rounds with a grain of salt, but certainly the way they practice and the way they go about, you know, even getting into a shot versus just their technique. um, Those things I try to point out to people is like, you know, they're, they're practicing in a structured way. They're not always practicing 10, 12 hours a day, like they might indicate it's, it's really more structured and, you know, focused on, the shot at hand and, and things that they can control versus always getting consumed with technique and all this other stuff. What's the balance there between technique and just the mental side of the sport? Because 
um, golf, a lot of people describe it as a frustrating sport, right? And so controlling that frustration, I'm sure is a big part of it, right? It's definitely not frustrating. No, it definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, golf can be pretty frustrating. You know, you hit good shots and it's like they get they get penalized. You hit bad shots and they get rewarded. It's just a funny it's a funny sport. But, you know, I, any other sports like that, too. We're just uh, we're just out there trying to get a white ball in a hole. I mean, what can you say? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you got to make the best of it and just have some fun with it. And that's what I love about coaching these these college students is, you know, like I said, it's sort of an escape for them. And I I try to just, you know, keep their heads up a little bit. I know it can be. um as you say, a little bit of a frustrating game at times, but, you know, at the same time, you're out playing like these beautiful golf courses and getting away from campus for a little bit and, and traveling. I mean, that's, that's kind of the name of the game and hopefully we'll be back to that soon. Yeah, I was going to ask how much have you gotten to work at all with the student athletes this fall? Cause obviously teams could practice golf is pretty socially distanced. How are you able to, or, or not able perhaps to work with them? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting fall. I mean, we, we were able to use our simulator room, um, sort of kept that capacity down, obviously. But uh, And then we also went to Martindale, our home course, and, you know, we were able to play there a little bit. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a light season. We didn't, we didn't get it too aggressive with our practices. Um, but certainly, you know, I, I, I definitely opened up the opportunity for them to ask questions, and we could work on um, some aspects of their game and um, but anytime we had the opportunity to just go out and play, that's kind of what I, I, uh, I encourage them to do. And we also, um, we also were able to get up to Belgrade lakes to play, play nine holes up there. Um, I have a good friend that is the owner there. So it was nice to, you know, get away from campus for that. And I think they really enjoyed being able to play some, some fall golf in Maine with the foliage. It's just best time of the year. In terms of the first years, how are you able to, you know, integrate them into the team when there wasn't, you know, competitions and whatnot. How, how did that process go? Cause you, I know you have a number of them this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I tried to, uh, you know, focus a little of my attention on the fact that, Hey, they're coming into this, you know, their first year and it's a totally new environment. Um, and then you add in everything that's going on with the, the coronavirus. So, you know, certainly it was, it was challenging and, um, I just wanted, again, to offer them a, a sort of space where they could come and practice and we could work on some things and kind of get their mind off of studies and stuff for a little bit. And, um, you know, I think the, the trip helped up to Belgrade. I think they also had some sort of team, uh, not gatherings, but like some uh, outside dinners and things of that nature where they could kind of get together with the rest of the team so they could, you know, sort of uh, communicate with the upperclassmen and things like that. So. I think it was a productive fall. Obviously there's, there's things that um, made it very challenging, but hopefully moving forward, we're in a a good place. In a a typical practice, maybe not in the COVID times, uh, when you're at Martindale, how are you kind of overseeing things? I mean, because golf being very spread out, are you just in a cart going all over the place or how does that kind of go for you? Yeah, it's a little bit like that. I mean, uh, typically, you know, in the fall and spring, like, you know, they've been playing golf their whole, I mean, for as long as they've been playing golf. Right. But also they uh, they've been playing all summer leading up into the season. So ideally at that point, we're not really making any major swing adjustments or technical changes at that point. It's like, just let's get them out. Let's get them playing golf, playing the sport. 
And, you know, if I see something, obviously I can chime in and help, but, you know, at that point, I really just want them getting out in the course. So, you know, they go to the first tee and I'll drive around group to group. We might work on short game because I, you know, that's obviously an important part of the game. And it really is something that um, a lot of college players can quickly improve. So, I mean, that's the quickest way to improve your scoring. So uh, we'll focus on short game, but also, you know, just get out and play the game. Do you ever share your experiences in college as a golfer well, with them in terms of, you know, relatable experiences, I guess, to help them grow? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, even if, I mean, even if we're out on the golf course and, you know, they're, whether it's under a tree or, you know, certain lies, like I can, I can definitely bring up a, a past situation that I've dealt with and how I played that shot or, um, you know, even, like I said, we go down to Williams College, we play at Taconic, and, you know, you're standing up on the ninth hole, it's 175, it's downhill into the wind, and, you know, figuring out the, the sort of yardage adjustments, not to mention you're at the altitude, you're a couple thousand feet up versus, you know, in Lewiston, Maine. So, you know, all these things that you can sort of relate to and, um, you know, sort of communicate with them about the fact that, you know, I've sort of been there and, and, and done that. What do you enjoy most about coaching? What puts a smile on your face each day? Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. It's just like the fact that, you know, you're helping a golfer and, you know, they're struggling with something or they're just, they're waiting for that sort of aha moment, I guess. And, you know, they, they hit a few shots in a row where it's like, oh, that was pretty, that was pretty juicy. I like that one, you know, and just seeing their reaction on their face. Cause there's, you know, I, hopefully most of the people listening to this have at least tried to, to hit a golf ball. But if, uh, if you haven't, when you've hit one solidly in the center of the face and it goes the way you want it to, it's just some, there's some feeling you can't describe. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think I get, you know, I, I love seeing the reactions on their faces when they're able to accomplish that. Yeah. I must say I've hit a couple solid golf shots in my life, but they only went like 150 yards. So I'm not sure what to do about that. 150. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, okay. on a par five on with a driver. I don't think so. <laughs> hey, hey, as long as it's down the middle, come on. <laughs> well, I guess any other thoughts you wanted to share about coaching? We haven't gotten to discuss yet or anything. Uh, no, I, you know, like I said, I I've been very fortunate and I've had some great mentors and um, you know, you know, you mentioned like Instagram and stuff like that's just sort of a way for me to kind of uh, give back and offer some tips and coaching and, um, I just think it's, uh, it, it can be a frustrating sport at times. I hope, hopefully I can dumb it down here and there. Cause I, you know, at the end of the day, I think our job as coaches is to really, uh, help our students self-discover. It's not really about me sort of supplying a bunch of information. Um, it's more me providing a space where you can self-learn and self-coach yourself. And, uh, so the, the less I'm involved, I guess the better. That makes sense. Makes sense. Henry Fall, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Bates College graduate and Lewiston native Paul Gassingay is among the most respected coaches in college tennis and the leader of men's and women's programs that perennially rank among the best in Division Three. An All-America player himself at Bates, Gassingay has coached a litany of All-Americans at his alma mater. He graduated from Bates in 1989 and was inducted into the Lewiston-Auburn Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. Coach Gassingate, when you graduated college from Bates, you played professionally. When did you start to think, 
I might want to get into coaching as my career in terms of uh, tennis and specifically maybe at the collegiate level? Well, I had always coached. My dad uh, ran the rec department program for decades, and that's how I learned how to play tennis. And my brother and I used to coach alongside with my dad. And, and we, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people I run into around town that say, Hey, you coached me when I was a little kid. And I don't remember them because now they're near my age. <laughs> but uh, in terms of, you know, when it really struck me that I wanted to be a collegiate coach, I didn't really realize that until after I had been coaching for a little bit. Uh, at Yvonne Lendl's club in Greenwich, where I ran a, a really high-level junior development program. And I uh, developed a, another program on top of that uh, for the most elite kids called CHAMP. And it was coaching highly advanced and motivated players. That was the acronym. And so when I had this group of, you know, young kids to, you know, uh, kids going up to, you know, through high school looking to play college tennis, they were the the most elite uh, players in the region. And we had several who went on to have, you know, very uh, prestigious careers uh, at the D1 level. And, and it, I guess it was then it struck me that this, this is what I truly love. Uh, I really love working with high level players, motivated players who want to be the best they can be. And I guess that's where uh, I started thinking about it. And, um, I was coaching there uh, along with training with, with Yvonne and uh, playing my own tournaments. And after I stopped playing, uh, I, I coached and, and ran that junior development program for a couple of years. And I guess when Coach Wigton retired, or I knew he was going to retire, uh, even at that moment, I, I didn't think it was time. I was 27, I think, 27 28 and I was finally making money <laughs> which I had never <laughs> been able to do before I was always paying off my debt from paying you know coaches and travel and you know tournaments around the country and and so um I was finally making good money I was finally able to buy a car and uh have an apartment which hadn't happened before so I, I you know I, I was thinking maybe down the road when I was you know, maybe in my forties, it would be something I'd like to do. Um, but then it, it sort of all came to fruition when, uh, Suzanne Coffey gave me a call and she was the athletic director at the time and, uh, was a uh, lacrosse coach. And when I was a student athlete at Bates and she, she gave me a call and said, what, you know, why don't you take a look at the position? And so that's what I did. I came up, spent the day and met a bunch of the staff and, you know, the administrators and, you know, I had to make sure it was coming back for the right reason because it was my hometown is where I went to school. And I, I, I want to make sure I was, I was coming back to, to Bates for the right reasons. And, you know, I think by the end of the day, they, they had offered me the job and I said, well, I need to think about it. And I was a very poor negotiator. I think I called them an hour later and said, okay, and I guess the reason for that was my relationship with Coach Wigton was so strong. And, you know, it was such an honor to step into his uh, shoes. And he had been there for 30 
some odd years. And, and my coach after college, Buddy Schultz, uh, class of 81, Buddy, you know, is the reason I came to Bates in the first place. And, um, you know, there was just such a heritage there and, and having played there. And I was just, you know, it brought back really special memories when I spent the day there and, and, you know, knowing that, you know, I could start fresh and build a program and uh, also be close to my parents and my family, which was a bonus. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it all happened. What was the transition like coming back, returning, you know, after being away for a few years? And did you, did you pick Coach Wigden's brain a lot in those early years about, you know, how to build the program and everything? Coach Wigden and I had stayed in touch over the years and he was always a mentor and he was always someone that I, I seeked advice from. And, you know, I had a good understanding of what the program was all about, having played in it um, and been connected with it for so long. Uh, he was great, you know, for foundational information and just the history of the program and just filling me in with the, the lay of the land where the NESCAC was. And, you know, it had changed a lot since I'd been a player and with the advent of, you know, the ability to go to NCAAs as a, as a team, that was something we, we can never do back in the day. And so, uh, that, that really piqued my interest and, and, you know, that was one of my initial goals, you know, from the get-go is I want to be a nationally uh, regarded program. We want to challenge for a national championship um, and we want to be a force and uh, just build a legacy in a, a program that Bates can be proud of and all the, all the alumni can be proud of. So originally you were only coaching the men's team, but I think, what, 2001, you took over the women's program as well. So what was that like? Well, I was originally the men's tennis and men's squash coach. So I was, I was okay. fall, winter, spring. Yep. And um, John Illig, um, who was the women's counterpart in the same role, and his expertise was squash. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a good tennis player as well, but that was his, I think, his passion and – I love coaching squash. I mean, I got to coach uh, Pat Kosker and, you know, some great uh, people over the years. And, and Pat did an amazing job with the program for, for forever. Um, but uh, I think it was just more like, hey, my passion is tennis. That's my expertise. I, you know, I, I played, you know, that's where I, I wanted to be as, as the tennis coach. And I thought I could really be uh, better utilized in building both programs. So the transition was, uh, it wasn't difficult. It was just, it meant I was going to be more busy during two seasons and then actually have, you know, the in-between season uh, where I could spend more time recruiting and more time working on projects. And so I think, uh, it was interesting when I started coaching both programs, it was a, a new era. And I think both teams became more unified and they became so, you know, just more linked and, you know, great friendships formed because they were, they could commiserate, right. They had to deal with, they both had to deal with me. So <laughs> um, they, uh, they became really close. Like it was like having, you know, a, a bunch of brothers, a bunch of sisters, and then you know, like a big family. And uh, so it was, it was kind of special actually for the program to, you know, more work for me, but I think it, it helped us grow 
uh, both programs in a, in a special way. And then we had Will Beauregard on the Bobcast a few months ago, I guess now talk about his career and, you know, an individual national champion. You had competed at NCAAs as an individual when you were at Bates, when he was making those runs at NCAAs, what was it like for you to, you know, kind of coach him through that? Cause, cause you know, you had experienced it yourself as a player. Yeah, it was, he was uh, really our uh, first big time player and he came in, highly touted as a junior and, you know, but, you know, like every player at every level always needs work. And, you know, Will was a special athlete, like an amazing specimen mover, like so athletic, he could do anything. And, you know, so, you know, Will spending time with Will, we, we refined his, his game, uh, to make it more solid, we didn't want to take his weapons away. We we built around his weapons, but I think he he had so much ability and talent that it was always a last second decision of what he was going to do because he had so many options. And and what my job as a coach for Will was with someone with that much ability was to to refine it and to make it uh, a little bit more solid, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more basic, because his weapons, you know would show through that and we didn't need him to have flash because the flash was natural. We just needed him to, to learn to be more solid and more consistent and to build points in, in a, in a way that would allow him to get to net. And, and he was a great student, uh, a great student of the game was very coachable. So a, a lot of times really high level players like that aren't as open to new ideas. And Will was, was amazing that way. Um, you know, I'll be honest, we had to work really hard on his mental game. Uh, and he was willing, though. He was willing to put in the work and he was willing uh, for me to challenge him and to really hold him accountable. And I think, um, you know, we had some some tough times and sometimes we're like with every player, you have to really, you know, uh, get serious and and, you know, make sure that hey, this is, this is what we both want, right? <laughs> and this is how we're going to get there. And he, he bought in and he made some huge strides. And, uh, I mean, to be a finalist in his junior year and a champion in his senior year and to be the only player to ever defeat uh, Matt Seberger from UC Santa Cruz, who had won the, you know, the Triple Crown uh, multiple times, uh, he lost to him in the finals the year before. And then he had to, to defeat him in, the, in his run to the championship. I think it was in the second round they played. Second or – yeah. So, um, but, yeah, yeah, it was uh, – it's really rewarding now to see Will go through his college career and his professional career. And, you know, last summer – or last summer, geez, COVID. Uh, two summers ago, we actually uh, coached uh, a, re a recruit camp together, which was really cool. And just to see him present and, and coach and uh, to know where his roots were and to see where he is now, it's really special. So, Excellent. You touched on the mental side of the game. I mean, tennis being such an individual sport, unless it's doubles, but it's still a team overall. But from a coaching perspective, how do you go about evaluating players about what kind of style you, you need to have with them individually? Because I, I imagine your style has to change a bit depending on who you're dealing with, right? Right. Uh, our philosophy in, the, in our program is to build an all-court player that, because then they have an answer for every style of opponent. 
And, you know, our system is built on creating, you know, with a heavy, deep ball and angles so that we can create a short ball, get in and finish at the net, you know, sort of the way uh, Roger Federer plays. I mean, that's, that's always been the way I've coached, I think, because it gives an answer for every opponent. And the success that we've had over the years, if you look at a Ben Stein who lost in the finals of the singles uh, championship in 09 and won the doubles championship with Amrit uh, Rupasinga in the, that same year, uh, played in all nine uh, NCAA matches. Um, you know, Ben was a player that loved to come to net. He just didn't have uh, necessarily the foundation to build points consistently to get there. And so with him, it was different. We had to, we had to build the foundation. We had to give him a heavy forehand and a, and a really solid backhand and, and a big serve. And, and, and then the, the rest of his game could come out because he had this natural uh, talent and ability to come forward and, and finish at the net. And so with every player, it's a little different. Everyone has different uh, strengths. And my job as a coach is to build around those strengths, but to build an all-court player that has solutions for every type of opponent. You touched on, obviously, George Wigan being a big mentor for you. Um, who are some other mentors that have really influenced your coaching over the years? Well, I, I've been blessed to work with so many, uh, you know, very special coaches and, and you know, world-renowned players. But I think, you know, my dad – you know, and my mom, my mom was a, an art teacher, but my dad was a, a coach and a teacher. And I think teaching is in our blood. And, uh, you know, it was something that they gave me that gift, the ability to really connect with their students. And I think, you know, that foundation was huge uh, in terms of knowing how to reach each player, but also the discipline it takes and, and the time commitment, the passion that is required to reach everyone. And I would say that is, you know, my biggest foundation, but then, you know, the, the ability to work with uh, Buddy Schultz after college in terms of technical and, and strategic and, and the mental game. And he had played at, you know, world-class level and been in all the slams. And, you know, for me to get that kind of knowledge was, was huge. I wish I had it when I was 14, 15. Um, Instead, I got it when I was 22. So um, it all it all comes around when it comes around. But, you know, I got a lot of my, you know, elite coaching after college. And that's when my my game really went through the roof. I always knew how to compete. And Coach Wigton was really impressive that way. We always wanted to compete and he, he, he held us accountable and we knew how to be professional and and how to conduct ourselves and how to fight and then you know getting to work with buddy after college was huge um you know he just gave me so many different tools uh, you know learning this all-court game learning how to volley learning how to do uh things at that next level and then when i was training with yvonne lendl it was a really incredible opportunity for me to you know gain that experience and to learn from a champion and he was very giving that way. He was always, you know, treated me as a peer. And after our training session, he, he would say to me, you know, well, what do you think, you know, I could have done better 
in those points and what could I have done better uh, in this situation? And, and I was like, you're asking me. <laughs> so, uh, but it was, it taught me how to really be a student of the game and to really observe and to help me be a better coach when I became a coach, because I, I had a coach myself when I was playing and uh, his coach, Tony Roach, the Australian great was just an incredible mind and just a, a very gracious uh, guy and very down to earth. And, and we would just talk shop all the time. And uh, so I learned so much from, from Tony and, and Chris Lewis, uh, one of Yvonne's uh, travel training partners, uh, who was a Wimbledon finalist. Uh, Chris, Chris was uh, just, again, very generous with his time. And we would talk shop all the time. He was very helpful uh, giving me advice. Um, and, this, you know, I guess that was sort of the story of my life was just picking uh, the brains of these these great minds and then putting it all together in a system. Another guy I worked with who was extremely helpful was Craig Edwards, who coached the Bryan brothers. Um, he was coaching a couple of my friends and was traveling with them. And I'd buy him dinner, you know, and because he just helped me out all the time. He'd, he'd give me advice. He helped me with my game. He was you know, really, really helpful. So, you know, there's, there's, there's been a bunch over the years. Um, just watching my peers in the NESCAC, uh, like a Jim Watson from, from Tufts, Tufts University was a, a, just a great coach and a, and a great mentor. Um, played professionally as well. Um, but, you know, so many, you know, so many coaches over the years that I've just sort of, uh, been in contact with or, or coached alongside and just observed, uh, Bob Hansen from UC Santa Cruz was, I remember my first year playing, uh, at Bates and I, I made nationals and it, I actually played one of his guys, uh, who was, uh, a foreign exchange student from Argentina and I ended up losing to him at three sets in the first round at NCAs. It was a, it was an excellent match and, you know, came down to the wire and, I just, I just remember watching um, Bob's teams and the joy that they had with the, they loved to compete, but they didn't do it in a stressful way. They did it because they just loved to compete for each other. And I, I knew back then that was something that was very special. I'm like, wow, to have a team that just could be in that mode for each other all the time is something I would love to have and something I would love to create. And lo and behold, years later, um, we had the amazing opportunity to work with Dr. Jerry Lynch. And Dr. Lynch uh, was someone who was very close to the Santa Cruz uh, program. He lived in UC Santa Cruz, and he worked with their team almost every day uh, for decades. And when I got to work uh, with Dr. Jerry Lynch, who's a world-renowned sports psychologist, he now works with been with the Golden State Warriors and the San Jose Quakes and, uh, you know, Maryland women's lacrosse and North Carolina women's lacrosse, uh, Syracuse women's lacrosse, et cetera, Middlebury tennis. Um, he's just an amazing coach as well, uh, coaching the mental side of things, coaching the team culture, coaching how to be as a coach and how to best reach your team and how to get your team to perform and be that way that I witnessed UC Santa Cruz way back then. 
And that's that thing that was palpable. I could, I could feel it. And I was like, geez, you know, that's, that's what I want. That's what I'm, I'm working hard to create at Bates. And, you know, about eight years ago when we started working with Jerry, um, it's, it really helped uh, kind of gel things together and build our culture even stronger. So I would say those are all, you know, sort of the key players in my life as a coach. Awesome. I'm curious, um, you know, tennis matches in college, they can last, you know, you know, seven hours before all the individual matches are done and stuff. As a coach during the actual matches, when they're going on a bunch of simultaneous matches, how do you approach that? How are you knowing who to focus on basically, right? I'll tell you, it's a, it's a challenge. And that's why we have to train our athletes to be able to think for themselves and coach themselves. But I think that's one of the, one of my strengths as a coach is to be able to look at all the matches as a whole, but then sort of see where the hot spots are and see maybe who's struggling, uh, see who's doing what well. And so I can go around and give them cues and like, Hey, keep doing this. This is working. Look, we need to adjust this. Here's a tactic I would, I would try or, yeah, when you did this, you know, you actually built a great point and you, you were maybe didn't make that volley, but you were very successful. Do that again. And so I think uh, that's that's one of my skill sets that I'm, you know, aside from developing the players, but within the development, when I'm working with them is uniting that with a future match is, OK, this is the scenario we're going to use this in. This is why we're doing this today, because when a player does this, this is what we're going to do. This is a solution. And so in a match, it's, it's pretty easy to draw on that and go, Hey, remember that what we worked on the other day, this is exactly the scenario. Let's, let's do that. And so, you know, you can't always come up with every single thing that's going to happen in a match the week before. Uh, but it's sort of an ongoing development. It's an ongoing evolution with each player and helping them to just learn to think on their feet, learn to be able to adjust, learn to, you know, sort of be a, I, I equate it to a, a crime scene investigator after each point, like what really happened? Where was I, where was my opponent? What type of ball was I dealing with? And from those three factors, you can understand, okay, what should my, you know, was I on offense? Was I neutral? Was I defensive? What should my so shot selection have been there? Or maybe it was the correct shot selection, and I need to repeat that again. So we have a whole between-point routine and system where, you know, they meditate, they breathe, and they visualize what what's working and what needs, you know, adjusting. And so, you know, that's my role as a coach is to make sure they're prepared the best way they can. But on the fly in the match, you know, they have to provide the grit. They have to provide the heart the hustle, the fight, the intensity, all that stuff. And they do that for their teammates. It's not for them. They do it for each other. And my role is to just sort of, you know, point them in the right direction and say, hey, you know, refine this, adjust this. Hey, this is right on. Keep it up. And when there's six matches going at once, it's, it's brutal. It's, there's a lot. And that's why each player has to be really proficient and, and handle their own stuff. But um, I try to be an effective uh, coach from the sideline and, you know, just, hey, this is what I'm observing and this is what I think 
uh, would work. And my players are, you know, they're great and they're, they're willing to try anything and they're very coachable. So I think that's what I always look for. And, and my recruits is someone who is going to be adaptable and will want to fight through and, and figure it out. How would you compare the Bates student athlete experience now to when you were playing at Bates? Wow. Uh, I was just talking about this with someone the other day. Um, I think uh, the opportunities that they have are much more than what I had as an athlete. Um, You know, for example, you know, we really didn't get funding to go to the ITA championships. And I remember driving all the way down to Philadelphia to play at Swarthmore and Haverford. And it was a division two and three event. And I drive down with a teammate on our own. Uh, one, one year I, I slept at my doubles partner's house in Northern New Jersey. And Jim Fralick and I drove down every morning. We left the, the house at four 30 in the morning to get there so that we could play the tournament <laughs> and just go back and forth for three days and then drive back to Bates. And, you know, I feel bad when we're more than a half hour away because it's hard to get hotels in Middlebury sometimes. Um, so <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, uh, you know, we have a, a really high-level group. Um, they work so hard. They are uh, sort of the embodiment of, of what I wanted this program to be. It, necessar- it wasn't necessarily like that when I was here. I, I used to train with a kid who was number 10 on the team. Uh, Ted Barksdale and I, you know, would train every morning at 7 a.m. Because most of my teammates didn't really play in between seasons. And uh, I wanted to get better. And he did, too. And a couple of years later, after I graduated, he was captain of the team. And so, you know, I, I think our group, I, I call them gym rats. I mean, they both the guys and the girls, they just love to train. They love to, you know, just make, make themselves better and work at their craft. And they're always looking, you know, at the last match or the last practice. Okay. What, what tools can I add to my tool belt that will help me defeat this type of opponent next time? What do I need? That's going to make a difference. And um, they just, we work on it together and they, they work harder on their own. I, I've had, you know, a lot of our athletes at, at Bates work really hard. I think that's what makes, you know, Bates athletics special is they're very driven and they're, they're great in the classroom as well. I think we've had, you know, two of the last three years, we've had uh, very, very much uh, probably almost 100% uh, make the all-scholastic team, the ITA, all-academic team. So, um proud of that because uh, it's it's not something they switch on just for tennis it's it's who they are as individuals they really work hard they they're committed to what they're doing and they want to be the best they can be so um i feel very blessed to to have such a great great group uh, on both men's and the women's side awesome any other thoughts on coaching you wanted to share we haven't got to talk about i think you know coaching to me is it's all about you know, the passion for helping our athletes get better. I think uh, I, I talk about this a lot. I said, if I wasn't a, an athletics coach, I might be a builder um, because I love 
that process of I'm not very good at building, <laughs> but if I had gone into that field, I think I would feel the same way. It's like from, you know, the foundation up and just seeing players transform from where they start and then where they finish. It's just like in, incredibly satisfying and rewarding. Um, not from an ego driven place, but just from, you know, the ability to be with such great people and share their journey and see them grow and as tennis players, but also as people. And then who they become after college is, it's a really incredible experience. And, and that's in a nutshell why I coach. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll continue our Why I Coach series with head swimming and diving coach Peter Casares and head squash coach Rye Hergeth. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my